0: How many of you are ready to get into the Word of God tonight? All righty. Well, I have this music stand here. I know not why because I don't have anything to put on it, but I'm going to raise it. No, I'm not. I'm messing this thing all up. Turn to your neighbor and say, God blesses preachers. All right. Now we're good. All right. Let's pray together, and we're going to get into Daniel chapter 4 tonight. Father, we just thank you for your Word. We thank you that the word changes us, rearranges us, renews our minds, sets us on the right path, encourages us and builds our faith, for faith comes by hearing the word of God. And we thank you that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And these things that we're looking at tonight were given for our admonition so that we would not fall into the same traps or so that we would learn how to walk by faith like those that came before us did. So, Lord, build us up tonight. Can you breathe a prayer, church, and say, build me up tonight, Lord. Edify my spirit. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he heard that prayer. All right. Now, we are in chapter 4, and we're going to see tonight a, good, uh, a, a pagan king lose his mind. He's going to just completely lose his mind, and and it's really sobering. But remember last time, we looked at chapter 3, and that's where the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace, and suddenly there was a fourth man down there with them, and even Nebuchadnezzar, the pagan king, said, that looks like the Son of God, and of course, it was. It was uh, a Christophany uh, when Jesus appeared in the Old Testament prior to being born as a human being. He appeared many times. And sometimes you'll see that when you see the word angel, but it's capitalized. That's generally a Christophany. It's when Jesus appeared. You know, he was there when the world was formed. And he was there before the world was formed. I can bend your mind and tell you, he never began. Now, how many say, that bends my mind? Because everything we know started somewhere. You started, I started, these chairs had a beginning, this building a beginning. But God had no beginning. Jesus had no beginning. God is the God who created beginnings. But He didn't have one. Now, my mind can't go there because I'm finite. But that's the truth about Jesus. So, He appeared in the burning fiery furnace with the three Hebrew children, they were delivered. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar, for the second time in the book of Daniel, decides that their God is the real God. Now, if I see three people thrown into a burning, fiery oven, and then I see a fourth one show up down there with them, and they're walking around dancing, having a good time in the fire, I'm going to believe their God is the real God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now, in chapter 4, now, I, I did tell you, by the way, that the first six chapters are history, In Daniel's book and part of the history or really part of the theme of those six chapters is God dealing with this pagan king Nebuchadnezzar and we're seeing him just kind of gradually come to faith in the true and the living God and one of the ways he comes to faith in the real God is he sees that his own magicians and occultists and sorcerers and soothsayers are frauds And he's been fooled all this time. And so we're going to see that again tonight. Now, we're starting at verse 1. He's had another dream. Nebuchadnezzar has had a second dream. And this dream is going to change his life. So let me just start reading in verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good. Now look what he says. I thought it good to declare the signs and the wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How many of you can sense he's getting faith in the real God? All right, now, how great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and I was flourishing in my palace. Everything was going great and I saw a dream. And this dream made me afraid, and the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Now, note here that that Nebuchadnezzar, a, a pagan king, is now for the second time receiving a prophetic dream from God, a profoundly prophetic dream. So God can give a dream to whoever he wants to. I mean, God can move on whoever he wants to because one of the themes of Daniel is that our God is sovereign over all things. Everybody say with me the word sovereign. Sovereign. Now, that means he rules it all. That means that that the devil is a dog on a leash. That means that, that nothing happens out from under the permission of the sovereign God, and he rules over the nations of the world as we're about to see, and as we've already seen in Nebuchadnezzar's first dream. So, the sovereignty of God is a continual theme in Daniel, and we need to remember that today. God's in charge of China, Singapore, North Korea, South Korea, Israel, Iran, and Iraq. United States of America, though it sure doesn't look like it, he's in charge ultimately. Now, just like the first dream, rather than blessing him, it's made this king afraid and troubled. Like, what in the world... Is this dream I've dreamed? It freaked him out. It, un- it, it, it rattled him. It rattled him. Now, God has chosen here to reach a lost king with two troubling dreams that are also designed to bring Daniel to the forefront in order to impact a kingdom. Again, the message of Daniel is, read it with me, God is in charge of nations. Now, verse 6, therefore I issue, this is Nebuchadnezzar talking again, I issue a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me that they may, uh, might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Now, look who he called. Then the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, who were astrologers as well, and the soothsayers, fortune tellers, came in, and I told them the dream. But look what happened. Lo and behold, they did not make known to me its interpretation because they were frauds. So we have a crisis here. This king is in a crisis again. Again. And for the second time, it's because of a dream. And for the second time, he's accessing these occultists. And for the second time, they prove to be empty frauds. So what to do? And then it says, but at last Daniel came before me. His name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. In him is the spirit of the holy God. Now, there's no verse that can show you the the split uh, loyalty of this king at this point. He's got one foot in the world and occultism, and the other foot is moving towards God because he says, I named Daniel Belteshazzar according to the name of my God, but I know that in him is the spirit of the holy God, the real God. So this king is split. How long halt ye between two opinions? Elijah asked Israel. He's halting now between two opinions, and he's about to be moved again towards the real God. And I told the dream to Daniel, saying, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, look what he calls Daniel, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you and no spirit or secret troubles you. Explain to me the visions of my dream that I've seen and its interpretation. And again, the phony occultists, soothsayers, fortune tellers, and the magicians are unable to deliver for this king. Their fraudulent spirituality is once more exposed in a crisis, and Nebuchadnezzar now describes the dream. Now watch this dream. It is so powerful. These were the visions of my head, he says, while on my bed. I was looking, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height was great. The tree grew and became strong. Its height reached to the heavens, and it could be seen to the ends of all the earth. It was visible to all the known world, this tree. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. So this was an all-nourishing, all-providing tree. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. So look, this is a major tree, a highly significant tree. And of course, it's metaphorical, and we're about to see what it really means. The only thing I want to point out here after we've read about the tree, is how crystal clear this dream was. Look at how crystal clear this dream was. It is specific, it's colorful, and it's memorable. Nebuchadnezzar remembers every detail. Let me tell you something about dreams from God. If the real God gives you a dream, you're going to feel like you watched a movie. You're going to remember, I'm not a big dreamer. I have been given in my whole lifetime... Four prophetic dreams, and I know they were prophetic dreams because three of them have happened, and one is yet to come, and it has to do with this country and our world. But these dreams, I had them. Are you ready? This is going to date me, but I'll tell you anyway. I had them in the 70s. When some of you weren't even born. Don't raise your hand if you weren't born then. But I had them in the 70s when I was really beginning uh, to be called to the ministry and the Holy Spirit was dealing with me in a lot of different ways. I had these dreams, and just uh, one right after the other, three of them, to, a, to the T to the have happened, to the T. And, and if you were to say to me, well, well, Jeff, relay to me the dreams, I can tell them to you today as if I watched a movie that was unforgettable. They were colorful. They were in technicolor. They were detailed, and when I woke up from them, you know, most of the time when you wake up from a dream, you can't remember what you dreamed. You just know you dreamed because it was crazy. It was nutty. It was disconnected and all that. Not a prophetic dream from God. When you wake up from a prophetic dream from God, you remember every detail, and you feel like you just came out of a theater watching a movie, and look at this dream from Nebuchadnezzar. He remembers every detail. Next, Nebuchadnezzar tells us what he saw next, and it's almost like act two in a play. So first he sees the tree, and now act two. I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. And this watcher cried aloud and said this. Now stop a minute. Let me tell you what a watcher is, because some of you are going, what's a watcher? Before we look at what he said, let me tell you what a watcher is. Our best clue is from Daniel himself, who identifies the watcher as the most high in verse 17. He says in verse 17, the most high rules in the kingdom of men. He's taking what Nebuchadnezzar called a watcher, and he's calling him the most high. So he's, Daniel's giving us who this was in verse 17, the most high. That means Jehovah God. All right? That's the watcher. Now, you might wonder, why do you call him a watcher? Well, in Babylonian mythology, the god of Nergal, you've never heard of Nergal, neither have I. You don't need to ever worry about him again after tonight. But I'm just telling you, it was in Babylonian mythology. The god of Nergal was regarded as manifesting himself in watching. Okay? So Nebuchadnezzar may have dreamed that he witnessed a descent of one of Nergal's deities. He didn't know what else to call him because uh, Nebuchadnezzar was raised in Babylonian mythology, like the Greeks were raised in Greek mythology and the Romans in Roman mythology, okay? So that's why he probably called him a watcher. So what Daniel's doing in verse 17 is correcting him and saying, no, it's not a watcher from Babylonian mythology. It was the most high. He gave you this dream, and he's the one who spoke in this dream. Okay? Now, in the dream, the watcher cries aloud, saying that the beautiful tree in part one of the dream is to be chopped down. This beautiful, providing, flourishing, fruitful, world-renowned tree is to be chopped down. It says in verse 14, here's the watcher talking, the most high talking, chop down the tree and cut off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts get out from under it and the birds from its branches. What's God doing here? He's taking something mighty and he's leveling it. When God says you're done, you're done. When God wants to bring you down, he'll bring you down. When he wants to promote you, no flesh or devil in hell will stop it. Okay, so this is God, the Most High, bringing this tree down. Nevertheless, he says, leave the stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze, in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him. Now, I parenthetically put this. Here's the first clue the tree represents a person, because he says, and let him, the personal pronoun him, let him. So it's a him, it's a he. This tree is a he, okay? Let him graze with the beasts on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man. So there it's clear, it's a man. Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast and let seven times, that's likely years, pass over him. So this is a seven-year judgment. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know. Now, I want you to read this next part with me because this is the gist of the book, but we're going to see it over and over again. So say it with me, that the living may know, read it, that the most high rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. Amen, we know that's right. All right. So ends the king's second dream. Now look closely at verse 18, for we see a king who once again realizes that the various occultists of his kingdom are frauds, and his faith seems to be growing in Daniel's God. Now here comes Nebuchadnezzar speaking. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, declare its interpretation. Tell me, Daniel, since all the wise men of my kingdom have flopped. That's the revised Wickwire version. Okay, All the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy God is in you. Daniel, I know that the, whoever the real God is, his spirit is in you. Do you notice, folks, let me make an application here. Do you notice how when there's a crisis in a kingdom, a real crisis, people look for those who really do know God? He said, man, I'm in a crisis. i got to know what this dream means. It's troubling me. I can't sleep since I've had this dream. So and my, my, all my wise men, they they've flopped. They they've fizzled. They're frauds. So, Daniel, I need somebody that has the Spirit of God. I believe the hour is coming and is here in America right now where people are saying, show me somebody that really knows God. Show me somebody that really has the Spirit of God in them. Show me somebody that has real answers. And I want our church to be one of those. Amen? He says, you're able, for the spirit of the Holy God is in you. Now, look what happens. Daniel next provides the interpretation, but he's first, very troubled by this dream. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for a time. His thoughts troubled him. You know why? Because he immediately got a read on what this entailed, what it meant and it staggered him. You know, God can tell you things sometimes that stagger you. He can talk to you. He can tell you something that, that wow, you got to go off somewhere and just sit and be quiet because he gave you a strong word. So the king spoke and said, "Balthasar, don't let the dream or his interpretation. He, he could see that Daniel was troubled. And Balthasar answered and said, my Lord, May the dream concern those who hate you and its interpretation concern your enemies. Now Daniel clearly has immediately discerned this dream portends great judgment on Nebuchadnezzar. And this is why he expresses the words, May the dream concern those who hate you. Why did he say that? This was an act of respect. And it might also have been spoken to ward off any anger toward himself from Nebuchadnezzar as he's about to interpret this dream that is not good news for this king. Daniel now gives the ominous interpretation. Here we go. The tree that you saw which grew and became strong, Nebuchadnezzar, whose height reached to the heavens and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, and which was food for all under which the beasts of the field dwelt and in whose branches the birds of the heaven had their home, It is you, O king, you're the tree, who have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reached to the heavens, and your dominion is to the end of the earth. The tree that you dreamed about, it's you, it's you, Nebuchadnezzar. God gave you a dream about yourself and your future. It always strikes me when I read a heavily prophetic book like Daniel, how Only God can know the end before the beginning begins. Can I say that again? Only God knows the end of a thing before its beginning begins. Only God can reach because he doesn't dwell in time. He dwells in eternity. So wherever you're going to be five years from now, he's already there waiting for you. And when you got born again, he saw your end, When your beginning began. As a matter of fact, it gets heavier. Before you were even born, he saw you and knew you and called you and blessed you and saw your end before your mama and daddy met. That's God. Isn't he a mighty God? Isn't he a holy God? Isn't he a powerful God? Amen. So only the real God can give you a prophetic book like the Bible. Now, he's described, Nebuchadnezzar is, as a fruitful, flourishing tree. And inasmuch as the king, here goes Daniel continuing, inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times or years pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High which has come upon my Lord, the king. And it didn't turn for me there. There we go. I went too far. Now here's the reason for this extreme judgment. You, well, let me, did I go too far? Yes, I did. All right, which has come upon my Lord the King. They will drive you from men. Here's the interpretation. They will drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. He's talking to the king. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times or years will pass over you. Now, did you catch that? How many of you would like for me to tell you I had a dream about you and I saw you crawling around on all fours eating grass like a cow? How many of you would rebuke me and say, no way, that's God. Uh, But here's the king of the greatest kingdom in all the earth. And he's just been told you're going to be walking around on all fours. Your hair is going to grow like eagle feathers. You're going to have your own homegrown mohawk. Your fingernails are going to look like eagle's claws, or like lion's claws, and, and you're going you're gonna to be eating grass like a cow, O Nebuchadnezzar. Now, why such an extreme judgment? Here it comes again. Till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. Wow. How many of you think we need to learn that tonight ourselves? How many of you can say the Most High rules in the kingdom of men? Right? He rules over all things. That's the message of Daniel. Now, the judgment will last as long as it takes for you to understand that God is God and you're not. There you go. How long is it going to last? Until you learn that God's God and you're not. And inasmuch, Daniel continues, inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and the roots of the tree, Your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. So the whole idea of the stump of the tree being left and and, and encompassed or encased in bronze is God saying, I'm not going to totally do away with you. This is not permanent. I'm not going to utterly annihilate you like, say, for instance, I did Sodom and Gomorrah, which is no more, or the Edomites, which are no more. I'm going to bring you down low, Nebuchadnezzar, but I'm not going to do away with you. You are going to return once you've learned that God rules in the kingdom of men. So that's the message. You're going to lose everything, Nebuchadnezzar, (laughs) including your mind, but not forever The kingdom and your sanity will be restored to you. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Now here's Daniel's advice after this heavy dream interpretation. Break off your sins, Nebuchadnezzar, by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. He's saying, O king, listen, I don't think this is going to be utterly stopped, but it could be put off if you'll just start walking in righteousness and blessing the poor with mercy. You can prolong your prosperity before this comes down. Now, do you realize how much courage it took for Daniel to say this? Because don't forget, this is the dude, this is the king, that just one chapter before threw his three buddies into a burning, fiery oven. And he's telling this king, you're going to be on all fours, walking around with uh, hair like a bird's feathers, and fingernails like lion's claws, and you're going to be eating grass like a cow. One chapter before, he wanted to roast alive his three friends. It took courage. It took courage. Now, Daniel advises repentance and works of mercy for the poor in hopes his judgment may be postponed. Now we're coming to Act 3 of Chapter 4. It really is in, in Acts like a play. Now, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. Here comes the fulfillment. At the end of the year, at the end of the 12 months, which is the end of the year in which this was spoken to him, the very year in which Daniel told him this, he was walking around the royal palace of Babylon. And look what the king spoke. The king spoke saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty can you pick out all the personal pronouns in there you see them i my my it's all about me this kingdom was built for me it was for my glory it was for my name can somebody tell me where god is in this where the honor of god and the glory of god is in this statement it's not there he's not giving god the glory for what he has Now, church, I can take you right to Romans 1 that I think is one of the most profound chapters ever written in any book in any time. And in Romans 1, we see Paul tracking a society's decline into depravity. And it happens in stages. And the beginning of the stage is when this society, and I believe he was talking about the Rome of his day, When this society decides that though they know God, they will not give glory to God. And they won't honor his name. And they don't even want him in their thoughts. And they exchange the glory of God for false gods. Nebuchadnezzar is doing the same thing here. He He is making himself God. And he's saying, you know what, this whole kingdom came about because of me, because of my high IQ, my genius, my charisma, my talent, my ability, my, my incredible kingness. It's all here because of me. Without me, none of this would be here. When in fact, without God, none of it would have been there. See, what you and I have, Paul said in the New Testament, Paul said, what do you have that you did not receive? Where is the room for pride when you face the fact that everything you have that's good, you received it? How can I go bragging about something that I didn't do? You know, if you've got an ability to sing, you didn't come up with that. God gave that to you. If you've got a good mind, uh, you can do mechanics, you're a CPA, or you're good with numbers or whatever, did you come up with that? God gave that to you. What do you have that you didn't receive? And and the whole whole gist of that question is, where is the room for pride when you're honest about what you have and where you got it? Everything we have, we've received. Amen? Amen? From who? From God. He gave you your gift. He gave you your abilities. He gave you the, the ability to get out of bed this morning and go function and work. Uh, I mean, he, he holds your life, your next breath in the palm of his hands. You have life tonight because God let you have life tonight. That's the truth. That's what the Bible says. Go to now, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to go into such and such a city, And buy and sell and get gain. When you don't know what tomorrow brings, what you ought to say is if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. That's straight out of James. You see what I'm saying? So everything we have today that that we have reached uh, 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 five till eight tonight, God let us be here. And when you get up tomorrow, God's going to give you that breath. And you know why he's giving it to you? So you can do his will and glorify him in your life before you go home. That's why. So here's Nebuchadnezzar. He doesn't get it. It's not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power. ooh, And for the honor of my majesty. Now look who was listening. Because these are the last words he will speak for a very long time. Whoa. Watch. While the word was still in the king's mouth, before he could get out the last syllable, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. Everybody say, let's praise God for a minute. Because every word you speak, God is listening. Do you catch that? Every word you speak, God's listening. And as soon as the last syllable of this arrogant statement out of this king's mouth fell, God said, that's it. Your kingdom has departed from you. You're done, dude. You're done. And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They will make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times or a year shall pass over you until, here it comes again, you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses." And that very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and he ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Do you get it now? Church, what I want you to see is the power of God. That God can listen to something you say. Now, I don't want to make you so paranoid you don't talk. But, but I want you to notice, he'd already received a prophetic word. The whole issue with him in chapter 2 and chapter 3 and chapter 4 is he didn't know the real God, and he wouldn't give glory to the real God. And twice before this chapter, he says, I know that Daniel's God is the real God, but he kept walking away from that knowledge. And here in chapter 4, he didn't give God the glory for anything, but he brags and says, it's all because of me. And right then, God took the kingdom from him. I've seen... Churches fall in an hour. I've seen the mighty fall in an hour. And I've seen a nobody become a somebody in an hour. It's flipped. It can go either way. God puts one down, he raises up another. Just as fast as he can put one down, he'll raise up another. So we see here the the power of God to literally shake a kingdom in a second's time, and bring a mighty man down to learn his lesson. Now, what happened in Nebuchadnezzar? I did a little research on this and uh, uh, has been called by psychologists. It really has a name, and it's lycanthropy. It's a form of madness involving the delusion of being an animal. Now, I don't know about you, and I'm gonna. when I was a kid, I was all into Dracula, Frankenstein, the creature from the Black Lagoon werewolf, wolfman. I was into all of them. I had little models of them. I put them together and painted them. I was all into that. And you remember the wolfman. He was always afraid. He was always dreading the full moon. And he would say, lock me in a room and don't let me out. If you hear screaming, don't let me out. When the full moon comes out because I'm going to become an animal. Some of us need to say that every once in a while. Lock me up and don't let me out until I've gotten over this. Right? How many of you can say, it would have saved me some grief if somebody had locked me in a room for a while? All right, now. Uh, and, and, you know, the full moon would come up, and, and you would go through the camera work, and, uh, you know, the tech, tech work would show this man becoming an animal. But there really is a type of mental illness where a human believes that they're an animal, and they act like an animal. And, they, and psychologists, for whatever it's worth, have called it lycanthropy. Now, in one hour, Nebuchadnezzar went from the king of the greatest kingdom on earth to a madman whose hair grew out like eagle's feathers, his fingernails grew out like lion's claws. He walked on all fours. Can you picture a, a, a king going around on all fours for seven years? Come on, church. Let's use our sanctified imagination here a little bit. That's freaky. I mean, wow, would that shock you if you were a, a, a member of his kingdom? And he said, hey, where's the king? Oh, he's out in the pasture. Well, what's he doing? Well, don't look. It's bad. And then you go look anyway. And he's going around on all fours eating grass like a cow. I'd never go back. I'd never look again. This is what happened to him God is able to humble the proud. Two things I want to pull out from this. First, notice how God heard the words of the king. Nobody was around. doesn't say anybody was. But God heard it as if God was standing right next to him. You know why? Because God was standing right next to him. God heard the words of the king. Applied to us, God hears our words. Now, thank God it's not this heavy. We have a lot of people walking around on all fours in church if God brought down the proud this way. So God heard his words. And and so it just helps us to remember that that God hears our words. And we can edify the Holy Spirit within us, or we can grieve the Holy Spirit within us by what we say. That's why Paul said in Ephesians uh, repeatedly, he told the church, listen, let your words edify one another. Build one another up. Brag on one another, not to, not to puff up pride, but encourage one another. You know, you've got a gift. You're really good at what you do. I encourage you to get into the work of God. I see God's hand on your life. Encouraging things. Church, we should never leave church without being encouraged. Amen? So God heard his words. Second, a divine response to his prideful words fell immediately That very hour, it says, Daniel's prediction was fulfilled. Once again, we see that God rules over nations and kings. He puts one up and brings down another. Immediately, God's judgment fell. Now, Scripture indicates that Nebuchadnezzar was in this condition for seven years. Wow, ouch. Seven years. Do you know what his hair must have looked like after seven years? I mean, I've seen pictures of women who decided to never clip their nails, their fingernail, and they're way out here and curled under. He had to have looked that way because they said it was like an eye, a lion's claws, and that's what they look like. He, when he came out of there after seven years, we're talking spooky. <laughs> Somehow the kingdom of Babylon sustained itself. I don't know how it did. But it did. And you know what gets me? Nobody tried to take his office. I think they were all going, that's what God does to kings? God bless you. But nobody tried to take his office. Here's the king out there on all fours in the pasture day and night for seven years, and nobody tried to take his office. It's the way of men in a time like this to try to take the office. But it didn't happen here. Now we come to the final act. And at the end of time, here's that Nebuchadnezzar talking. I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. What a great day that was. And my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High, the watcher who had judged him, and praised and honored him who lives forever. Wow. Here's this scary-looking guy on all fours, and I don't know how, but suddenly, as fast as his reason had left him, his reason returned, and he looked up. He looked up to God. I read that, and I almost wept, because this man's been through hell and back. Now look, next we read what Nebuchadnezzar has learned. Here's the lesson of the trial. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Has he learned what God wanted him to learn? Yeah, it goes on. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. Nobody can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? This is coming out of personal testimony. This is a biographical statement because he, I was the king, but I was as nothing to him. He took me down. He humbled me. He taught me. He knocked that pride out of me. And, ha- and I cannot look up to him and say, what have you done? Did you let me walk around like that for seven years? What have you done? He said, you can't. Because God does what he wants to do. At the same time, my reason returned to me and for the glory of my kingdom. My honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. Everybody's coming back into his life. Huh. Which tells me they weren't anywhere around when he was like the seven, in the seven-year period. Because <laughs> they're all coming back now. Right? I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways, justice, and those who walk in pride, read it with me, he's able to put down. It's it's best to humble yourself so that God doesn't have to do it. It says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord, and he will exalt you in due time. Um, When I read this about his reason returning to him, it's precisely what happened to the prodigal son. The prodigal son, it's, it's intimated in Scripture that when he left the father's house and went into the far country and began to live a wild, crazy, uh, uh, um, depraved lifestyle and spent all of his inheritance, the, the suggestion of the Bible is that he'd lost his mind. You know, when we go into sin, it, it is a type of insanity because it never pays. You're giving away everything for nothing. And the prodigal got out there and lost it all. And as long as he had the money, he had all kinds of friends. But as soon as his money was gone, nobody was there to help him. And then what happened to him? He ends up in a pigsty, eating pig slop, working for a pig farmer as a Jewish boy. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, he came to himself. Same thing, he looked up. He came to himself. His sanity returned to him. Walking with God, folks, is sanity. Love, power, and a sound mind is what the Spirit of God gives us. Walking away from God is a type of insanity because you're giving up everything for nothing. You're giving your whole inheritance away for what? Pig slop. Okay? So Nebuchadnezzar's reason came back to him as the prodigal son's. Next time, we're going to talk about the handwriting on the wall. But how many of you are glad that God's in charge of the whole world and he's in charge of us? And how many of you can say, I'm so thankful to God for a sound mind? Amen. Can we stand together and let's worship for a moment? Let's just lift up the name of the Lord. How many of you are glad you came to church? Amen. Oh, and don't miss next week, this is one of the most powerful Stories in the Bible, a hand, an armless hand appearing and writing on the wall. All right, let's lift our hands and let's thank the Lord. Father, we just thank you right now for this powerful story of this king who finally and ultimately turned to the living God, learned from the living God, was restored by the living God to sanity. Lord, we just thank you for touching us one day by the grace of God thank you for giving us a sound mind a reasonable mind a peaceful mind that makes good decisions thank you Lord can you just begin to thank him just say thank you Jesus just thank Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Thank you. Now, Lord, send us out full of the Holy Spirit. Send us out with that sound mind. Send us out with that anointing that addresses a depraved culture with the truth of God. Thank you for boldness. Thank you for courage like Daniel's courage. And thank you, Lord God, for giving us a voice and giving us a way to reach people. And thank you for helping us to do it like we've never done it before. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If you're glad you came to church tonight, give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. 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 Amen.